Thank you, Skylar. Thank you for reading for us. Now, now when we were young parents, we, we tried to make sure our kids made the right choices, had made the right decisions. But as I've gotten older, and they've gotten older, we've come to see that their decisions are important, but what's more important is the direction of their life. Now, don't get me wrong. Their direction is determined by those decisions, but, but if I spend my time trying to micromanage their decisions, we'll, we'll both get tired and, and frustrated pretty quick. I found that it's best for me to, to just offer insights so, so that maybe they can have a, a strong foundation to live from. You know? if, if there's faith, compassion, generosity, love, if they have that, then I'll be, I'll be happy for them. We're studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. We call it Colossians. In his letter, he, he's going to address problems being introduced by teachers who are who are leading their new church to adopt practices that are different that are they're from their culture and, and making them a part of the, the way a Christian is supposed to live, making them the teaching of the church. And remember, the way we practice our faith is what faith is all about. We talked about it last week. Faith is is about living it out, not believing with our heads, but but with our hands and our feet. That our love for him would make a difference in the way we we live, who, who we live it with, how we love. That God, as perfect as He is, loving us perfectly like He does, He wants us to live our life for Him and with Him. Our lives, they won't look the same though, because we, we're all different. I mean, we each have different spiritual gifts as we understand it, different shapes as we understand it. It's spiritual gifts. That's, we have different hearts. We care about different things. We have different abilities, different personalities, we've, we've, different experiences. Every one of us is different. We all come at life differently. But God wants us all to be connected to him, heading in the same direction. And that is God's will for your life, that we live in a relationship with him. If you didn't know that God's will, that was God's will for your life, it's that simple. Some things are clear in life. Should we sin? No, never. That's never God's will. Scripture tells us not to do something. We shouldn't look to, for ways to justify it, to make it okay. Because it's something we want. So I'm not talking about the things that are clear, right, and wrong when I'm speaking about God's will. Those things are easy to know. Maybe not easy to do, but they're easy to know. Often, when we think about God's will, we're thinking in terms that, of things that aren't quite so clear. But we want to know what's right. Should we get a car or an SUV? Should we go back to work or stay at home with the kids? It's like being at this intersection here. Should I go right or should I go left? Knowing which way we need to go, that depends on where you're going. I mean, Paul wrote in his, the letter to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4, he wrote that God's will is for us to be holy. It's a churchy, there's a churchy word for it. It's a sanctification, sanctified, holiness, being set apart for God, living our lives as set apart people. So that's where our lives are to be headed. But which way do you turn when you get to the intersection? Well, that depends on where you're coming from. We all come to the intersection from different ways, so we all can't do the same thing. I mean, we see this in our social distancing right now, right? What's appropriate for a single, generally healthy person 
wouldn't be wise for a person living with diabetes or a parent of school-age kids. Each of us are, are faced with the same questions, but each of us, in order to make the right decision, will look a little different because we're coming from different directions. See, God's will is much more than the steps that we take than it is the direction of our lives. The direction of our lives are more important. That's what Paul's letter, he's trying to address here. That, I mean, he, he doesn't seek to point out every decision that the people are, have questions about. Instead, he lays out a groundwork, a foundation from which they can all live out God's will. So when I talk about God's will for our life, what I'm talking about is the direction of our life, to glorify God, to honor God, what you live for, who you live for. Paul's going to provide us some foundations for living that for God. That God's will in this prayer we're going to see today as we study it. When I was teaching my kids to drive, they both found that a four-way intersection like this could be was pretty intimidating. Even though they, they're pretty straightforward. I mean, cars, cars and trucks going in every different direction. So I, my approach was to, to give them a, a simple checklist almost, you know. Come to, come to the intersection. Turn your blinker on as you approach. Come to a complete stop before you cross any lanes. Look both ways, then look again. Right? Ease out and make your turn. What I hope they both found was with a little practice and by sticking to the basics, every intersection, no matter which way you needed to turn, no matter how big the intersection was, or eight lanes even, they were actually manageable. We saw last week as Paul began his letter to the Colossians in a prayer and now today he continues it in verse 9 but but here we see this prayer is a well it's a different kind of prayer Paul prays in verse 9 he begins he says uh, for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I love that. I have not, we have not stopped praying for you, continually asking God. Oh, I, I just have to say that this is about the most inspirational thing that Paul says, I think. I mean, I love the church. I love you all. But Paul raises the bar to be continually in prayer. It's just an, that's, that's, that's a challenge to me. That, that is such a, a call to me in my life. I mean, he barely knew these people, yet here he is praying for them. And the thing was, he was praying for them in a far different way from what we might think. I mean, he didn't, he didn't pray through our list of prayer requests like we might. Although he probably did pray specific prayers for specific people. But, but what I think is fantastic here is, is look what he, what he prays for. Remember now, these folks are living real lives with real issues, just like you and me. I mean, people are sick, people are needing help, people are, are having troubles at work, people are in troubled marriages, kids are going off the rails, babies are being born, businesses are, are on the brink of closure, people are stressed out, depressed, addicted, all kinds of things. I mean, it's real life, and yet, look what he prays for, for them to know God's will. Not a solution to their problems. He asks for them to know God's will. I mean, 
it'd be easier, wouldn't it, if Paul would just tell them what to think, what to do, to, to solve their problems? But you see, Paul's goal is for them to trust God, to live by faith, not depend on Him, to not to depend on Him to resolve their problems, but for them to trust God. I mean, as parents, you understand this, I do, that we don't raise our kids to depend on us for everything. But what makes a parent happy is when their kids become adults and they make wise decisions for life. And that's God's desire for us as well, that we would know how to live, to live a life that pleases Him. And that's God's desire for us as well. That we would know how to live a life that pleases God. No matter what job we take, no matter where we live, when we retire, where we go to school, who we marry. Paul wants us to know how to please God. That's living God's will. That makes sense, right? Of course it does. But but sometimes the, the questions we have, the problems we face, man, they're tough. And we really need guidance. We, we, we need God to fix our problem, or at least show us the answer. And I believe that's the amazing thing about this prayer of Paul, that as, as it's realized in our life, as we become this prayer, right? This prayer becomes ours. The answers to our practical, our day-to-day problems, our real-life problems, become clearer. That's what he says in, in verse 9 and 10, that knowing God's will... God's will will give us spiritual wisdom and understanding that the way we live, the choices we make, will honor and please God. You see, the answers and decisions that we need are should be flowing out of knowing God's will. So in his prayer, he lays out what I call four simple steps to living God's will. Now, these steps are not going to be easy, but they're simple. I say they're simple because they're clear. There isn't much to figure out in them. How you doing? It's more a matter of, of letting these letting these be a way of living. Letting ourselves be a part of God's plan. Verse 10 is where we see Paul continues asking that we would, would bear fruit in every good work. That's the first thing. To do good deeds that bear fruit. This is the simple point of our lives. This is why we were, what we were created for. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. For you were created God, as God's handiwork in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. That you and I were designed to do good things. And that's why when you help someone, it feels right. When you're generous, you get this warm feeling inside. You were made for those sorts of things. Those are the works of God. But the good deeds have an impact beyond you. And that's where the fruit comes in that Paul is talking about here. First Peter chapter 2 says, Abstain from sin and live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong, they, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. You see, when we do good deeds... It's a witness to the world. When we love, when we serve, when we forgive, it shows the world that there's another way to live, that we're different. And then we can explain that actually it's Jesus 
that makes us so. That's how good works glorify God, that we point to God. As Jesus said, God is honored in our good work. Why? Because that's how we were created. My son just put new tires on his car the other day, and he called to say, Dad, it rides great. <laughs> of course it does, because that's how it was designed. You were designed for good works. And when you do them, you will be living out of God's will. So look around you right now. Look around the room. Who are you with? Find someone there to love. Start right there. And then go outside and look around. Paul continues in verse 10 that we would increase in the knowledge of God. Get to know God better. Simply put, God wants us to know Him more and more. Not about Him. Not about Him. This was something that Paul was very passionate about here. He had met the risen Christ, and yet he wanted to know more and more as he describes in Philippians uh, chapter 3, that he says he wants to be found in Christ. That when you would see Paul, you would think of Jesus. That's not knowing more about, that's knowing him deeper. Not a scientific knowledge, but knowing how Jesus thinks an intimacy, a closeness that only comes with time spent in someone's presence, studying their behavior, knowing their story, understanding their heart. See, our getting to know God that way will result in, in a shaping of our behavior, in shaping the choices and decisions we make and how we live, at, live them out. My daughter used to go and spend a few days every summer with my family down in Mississippi, and every time she would come back with this little cute, slow, southern drawl, hey, y'all, it was funny back then, and, and it would, because... She would be immersed in just a few days, but in just a few days, something you would really start to see changes in her. Studying God's Word, spending time with Him in prayer, that does that for us. And that's what Paul wants for us to experience, that as we live out God's will with Him by getting close to Him, spending time with Him. That leads to the third simple step to living God's will. We find it in Paul's prayer in verse 11, where Paul wrote this. He said, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power so you will have the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. That's right. Paul knows that as Christians, we need to be strong, tough. He said these were simple steps, not easy steps. Some of us need to toughen up. The New Testament is full of stories of disciples of Jesus in the early church going through very hard times and I don't mean the internet was out or there was no toilet paper I mean being imprisoned beaten being hungry hungry going through poverty all because of your faith I mean you read the book of Acts and you get an idea of what they were dealing with and yet Peter reminds us to cast all our anxieties on him to trust him because he cares for us even when our enemy walks around like a lion picking off the weak, we can be strong because of our faith. Living the will of God is never promised to be easy, but he promises to give us the strength. We've known this from the start. Remember where it all began? On the cross. We're told to love our enemies, pray for our persecutors, 
Turn the other cheek when someone strikes you. Forgive those who wrong us. Give. Don't loan. Give to those in need. None of this sounds easy, right? It's a good tough. Because it's not. And where does this strength come from? This toughness? It's in Christ. Paul is praying that we would be made as strong as Christ is strong because of the Spirit of God that He has given to us that we can have great endurance and patience just like Jesus displayed on the cross. So the next time you start to think, I don't think I can blank. I don't think I can forgive Him. I don't think I can put up with her. I don't think I can listen to them anymore. I don't think, I can't take it anymore. I can't overcome that temptation. I don't think I can accomplish that. Remember, God's power is alive in you. Ask God for his strength and then believe that he has given it to you. And get to it. Remember, what you can't, God can. So get to doing good deeds. Get to, get to know God better and get tough. And finally, be thankful. That's what Paul tells us in verse 12. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. Be thankful for everything, but mostly for what is yet to come. That's the funny thing when, when we're thankful. It forces us to get the focus off of ourselves. I mean, think about it. You were in the store probably the other day looking for a Mother's Day card and you were thinking about how you wish someone would, would say those things about you. No, you weren't. You were thinking about your mom. You were thinking about the cookies that she made or the, well, the sauce recipe that she refuses to share all the ingredients with. How you couldn't wait to eat crabs with her again this summer. You were thinking about her, not about you, because you were thankful. It's the same way. When we thank God, it moves our focus to Him. So like Paul says in Thessalonians, that thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. To be thankful for what God has done. How He has changed your heart. What He has done in you, in your family, through you, in the ministry that He's given you. How He's shaped you for a specific purpose. Even if you don't really understand what that purpose is yet. Thank Him because He's going to show you. We don't have to know the outcome, where we're going, when we're going to get there, how we're going to get there. That was the lesson that God was teaching the Israelites as they wandered in the desert, right? I am enough. Regardless of where we're going, how we're going to get there, how long it's going to take, trust that I am enough. We can be thankful because we know where we are headed. Paul closes in this passage in verses 13 and 14. See, we're different from the Israelites. They didn't know where they were going. We know because God told us. Verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's why we're thankful. When everything else is a wreck, we can still thank him for where he's taken us. When we make mistakes, failing to do the good deeds that we know we should, and instead we sin, we can be thankful for the forgiveness that He gives us in Christ. When we don't feel close to God at all, we can be thankful for His promise to never leave us nor forsake us, 
He is there even when we're not. When life gets hard and we're having to rely on His strength, we can be thankful because He is there. That's the good news. If you've always wondered what God's will is for your life, I want to be crystal clear here for a moment. It is for you to be in a relationship with Him. That He created you to love you. And He proved it by giving His Son to die for you. For you to begin experiencing the life that you, that you were created to live. Start by surrendering your life to Him right now. Even today, right in this moment, right wherever you are. Just pray a simple prayer of surrender. Just talking to God. Just pray something like this. Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I've lived my whole life for myself. I've ignored you for way too long. I want to be forgiven. I want a relationship with you. Today, I accept you as the Lord of my life. I thank you for forgiveness and for promising to give me a new life because I needed one. Because you saved me, God. I want to live for you. Teach me to live this life here and now for you. I love you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. I just want to say welcome to the family. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today or if you prayed that prayer at all, I want you to click that button below me that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. And that, there's a form that will pop up, and I ask you to, to, to fill that in because I want to provide you with some resources to help you live this life of faith that, that God has called you to live and, and has invited you into. The fact of the matter is that sometimes we as Christians, we act like the Colossians here. We, we, want, we get caught up waiting to be told what to do next. But there's a difference between knowing God's will and living it. We think it's difficult, but it's really just a matter of doing it. If you're a Christian, you know God's will. You know God's will for you is to be, to be in a relationship with Him. But maybe you're struggling to live it out. I'd ask you to, to print this prayer out that we're going to pray in just a moment. These five verses that Paul prayed for us. That I'm going to ask you to, to pray for yourself this week. Print it out. Put it in, in front of you where you see it in the bathroom, in the, on the mirror, on the fridge, in your car, in your wherever. That we would pray them for ourselves over and over this week. That we would be living God's will. Fill me with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that I may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to Him. Bearing fruit in every good work. And growing in the knowledge of God, that I be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father, who's enabled me to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He's rescued me from the dominion of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of the Son. He loves me. I have redemption, the forgiveness of sin in Him. Amen. I think this week will be a great week for you and for me. Now, before I close, just remember that the study notes are here in the window next to us. You can print them out. You can use those notes to take the message further. You can download a copy on our website under the Jesus is Enough tab there. Your homework for today, families, friends, spend a few minutes talking to some of the people there you're gathered with of the things that mom taught you when you were young. And it doesn't really matter if you've never used those things that she taught you or you ignored them, you forgot them as quick as you learned them, but, or even if they were helpful. Just take some time remembering what she taught you and reflect on why you feel like that was important to her, for her to pass it down. 
Okay? Now, I'd like to close with our benediction as a prayer for, for ourselves. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever you go, believe that God needs you there. Wherever you are, trust God has put you there. He has a purpose for you being there. Christ, alive in you, wants to do something through you, no matter where you are. Believe this and go in his grace and his love and his power. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. God bless you. And we hope to see you soon. Okay? Love you. Bye-bye.